Hey, this is Chuck, and you are listening to Fans with Bands, the podcast where we talk to the fans and the bands they dig about life, music, and whatever the hell else we want to talk about. Today on Fans with Bands, we're talking to the idiot kids. Check it out. All right. Hey, this is Chuck with Fans with Bands, and I'm talking to John Michael from The Idiot Kids. John Michael, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. So I got your press release for Wilted Bloom and also for White Flags, and I checked out the music, and I was like, man, I love the the energy and the power in those tunes. And I was like, I got to talk to you guys. So I'm so happy that you're here. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having us or having me. <laughs> you guys <laughs> yeah. couldn't make it today. Yeah, no worries. That's good, though. So you got the new album called Chapels, which is coming out on December 1st. And uh, the, like I mentioned, those two were kind of the, the lead singles coming off that album. Uh, you were gracious enough to, to let me check out the rest of the, the album, and it's fantastic. It's, it's awesome. So, so good. Um, but I'm wondering, how do you feel the, the new music on this album compares to like your earlier EP and maybe even some of those early singles that, like Skeleton Boy? Yeah, so... Um... The early songs were, um, well, we had kind of like a, I guess, sort of like a demo album that we ended up scrapping that were songs that we did um, from like 2011 to 2015 or so. Okay. Um, and then we ended up kind of scrapping those because we hadn't really found like our, I, I guess, our sound at that point. Um, we hadn't found exactly where we wanted to go with it. Um, and so those early singles and like Skeleton Boy and Currents and that the first self-titled album was us kind of like, okay, we finally have how we want to sound. Um, it kind of like all started falling into place. Um, but the songs were kind of more, I don't know, they had been, they were written over a longer period of time about many different subjects and everything. Um, and when it comes to chapels, chapels is a little more focused I would say as far as like um, the songwriting goes, it, it all kind of deals with this, with similar themes, um, mostly revolving around like trauma from, from childhood and how that affects you growing up and how you deal with that. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say this album and then the EP in, in the meantime was kind of like me kind of starting to, more fully embrace like my queer identity and kind of writing from that perspective. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been kind of like a, a progression of going inward, going okay. more, um, more raw and introspective. Um, and that's, this album is definitely ab about as raw and introspective yeah. <laughs> as I think I could have gotten. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, there's like, um, like I said, there's that energy and that power. Um, there's also just this kind of, um, there's a bit of viciousness to it. You know, there, it's, it's got a really good, I think you do a great job of mixing, like making the, the tunes accessible. They have like, you know, a great stru song structure. Um, they're very approachable, but then there's also, you know, quite a bit of like, you know, ferocity in some of the, uh, especially the vocal delivery. I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. And the guitars. Um, but I, you know, speaking of those, the, the new album, I was uh, really intrigued by a song called Spare Room. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about that song and what was the inspiration for it? So Spare Room, um, that's uh, second to the last track on the album. And 
that was a sort of um, a queer love song, which I had never really done before. Um, and uh, it was a song I wrote about someone that I was seeing at the time. And um, yeah, it's kind of like that, that feeling of waiting, not knowing like what could or will happen, but finding like um, a solace in that and a comfort in that, just knowing that like um, you shared these moments with another person. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where that came from. I mean, that song started as a piano song. Um, yeah, that I just wrote um, years ago. Um, and then when we were coming to, to do the album, I had always kind of wanted to do a version of it with the band. And um, yeah, it's definitely, it's a little bit more of a departure from what we normally do. It's a little slower. Yeah. It was inspired by, um, I was listening to a lot of Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground at the time. So it had that kind of feel. Um, yeah, it's just kind of that feeling of longing and um, yeah, kind of like a, uh, I, yeah, I guess that's what you, <laughs> what you, it's the feeling of longing for something. Yeah, it, it's a great tune. It kind of reminded me a little bit of um, like a very early uh, um, Radiohead. Mm -hmm. Like Radiohead's definitely a um, huge influence on me. Yeah, um, yeah. The, ever especially, since I was in like seventh grade. Yeah, the melodies in there and uh, even some of your vocals in there are really, it definitely reminded me of like Pablo Honey. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was wondering about another tune, you know, it's probably my favorite song on, on the album and it's called White Flags. And that was the first single that you had. Um, yeah. Can you give me the, the backstory on that song? How did you come up with that and what was the inspiration? So that was actually um, my partner, Casper, who's an artist. Um, he had written something for a college course and he had a line about um, about a white flag and uh, about surrendering. Um, yeah. So I really liked that idea. And um, so I wanted to write a song based around that. I'm mounting a white flag to my headboard was, was the line. And I was like, that's <laughs> the imagery in that is just yeah. so good. I'm like, I'm taking that. And I'm gonna <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. So it originally started as uh, a different topic, but the more I kept writing about it, the more um, I've always dealt with, uh, with anxiety and um, mental health issues. Um, so along with that, a lot of times comes insomnia. Um, so growing up as a teen, I hardly ever slept um, up until really the last couple years, um, I always had issues with that. So that song was written mainly about, again, surrender of, of, um, fighting those racing thoughts that just do not stop at night. Um, yeah. kind of once the day is quieted down and you're just alone with yourself, my brain just starts firing. And, um, yeah, it's just that feeling of like, hopelessness where like you're stuck in a spot and like you'll kind of just do anything just to, to fall asleep um yeah so it's just kind of like surrendering to the sandman or god or like whatever you can <laughs> right. to like i just i just need to go to sleep um but you i mean it you could take it in any um direction it could be about addiction it could be about whatever is it is um that you're struggling with that you're trying to get out of um yeah but yeah i just like that idea of um 
you know, waving the white flag in war um, and applying that to something else. Yeah. It's a great, it's great imagery to use. And yeah. like you said, it can apply to a bunch of different topics. So that's right. cool. Very cool. Um, you know, what's, what's your favorite song in this album? Do you have a favorite? I think um, it's probably chapels, which is why I ended up um, naming the, naming the album after it. Um, and that was just because at the core of this album, um, it kind of just all boils down to uh, religious trauma, which I've, uh, I've realized over since COVID, um, I definitely became very introspective at that point because I wasn't leaving the house. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the last couple of years, just really dealing with like, I had a lot of like internalized homophobia against myself. Um, and a lot of things that I was just brought up. Um, I was brought up in the church. My father was a pastor. His dad was a pastor. His dad's okay. dad was a pastor. Um, and I knew I was queer from a very, very young age. So there was a lot of parts of my life where it was about hiding and it was about um, stifling um, the feelings that I always had because I was told it was wrong or unnatural or, or whatever. Right. Um, so Chapels was um, written about when I had first come out when I was 20 I went to the church that my parents were going to and they had this sort of like wedding chapel off to the side. Right. Um, and I just went in there by myself and started sitting at the piano and I was playing this tune from David Lynch from Eraserhead. Uh, it's called like the lady in the radiator. It's that in heaven, everything is fine. And I just kept playing that and just kind of started uncontrollably weeping. And it, I just had this like overwhelming feeling of like, Oh, okay. This is who you are. God doesn't hate you. No one hates you. It is what it is. So I wanted to write a song, um, that kind of conveyed that, um, to, you know, whoever was listening, um, really all the songs I write are, are very like kind of journal entries, very cathartic for me. So, um, it's just something I was feeling at the time. And I was like, I just need to get this out there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, and I wanted to name the album after that because like all the other songs that deal with sex or drug addiction or relationships, a lot of those experiences were um, either shaped or yeah, were kind of shaped by my religious trauma, whether I was yeah. dealing with not dealing with it. Right. Um, so yeah, I would say that's definitely my, my favorite because it, it's definitely, it's the most personal to me. And I think it, it kind of wraps up uh, the, the feeling of all the other songs. Like it, they kind of culminate into that song. So yeah, um, yeah, I, so, I'd say that's probably my favorite. So do you feel that, uh, you know, from having to, as you mentioned, like the, the songs are like journal entries. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel that this album has helped you like kind of recover from some of that trauma that you dealt with? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, especially through lockdown, um, in 2020 is like, I think like a lot of people, we, we all lost it. Um, yeah. <laughs> being stuck, yeah. stuck home alone. And, right. um, through that, I learned out of necessity. I was like, okay, well I need to continue to write and I need to continue to play music, but I can't play with my band. So, um, I taught myself, 
I took some like online courses on how to like record and mix and use logic, um, on my laptop. And so I spent most of my time, um, learning about that. And through that process of being stuck at home and also like just kind of dealing with like, Oh, mortality is real. Um, and like that being a very constant thing in everyone's mind. Um, it definitely had me, uh, deal with some unresolved trauma that I hadn't dealt with before. So those two things of me learning how to, to record and, and mix, and also dealing with, uh, these unresolved issues kind of, uh, yeah, that's what became this album. Once, once we started getting back together, the band, um, I was like, well, let's start like recording some practices and see how it sounds. And it was sounding okay. So I was like, all right, well, let's try and do a like full on DIY album. Um, so we had a couple songs from the EP that we recorded in February of 2020. So it was like days before everything shut down. Um, so I was like, well, let's, let's kind of branch off of that. Cause I know I want some of those songs on the album. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of took on its own shape. And, um, because these songs that I was writing were, were way more personal or songs that I had written in the past that were about very like kind of, uh, yeah, personal things to me. Um, I was like, okay, this is very scary and, uh, very scary to try and do, but, um, yeah, I, I have to try it. Um, so (laughs) we recorded it in, uh, our, the basement of our drummer's apartment and, uh, yeah, I just kept mixing and mixing until it sounded right. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, so this sounds how I want it to let's get all the other songs finished. Um, so yeah, it was a long process, but, um, it was really rewarding once we finally got it figured out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it sounds good. It sounds really good. I mean, I yeah. like the uh, the mix came out really well. I think, um, you know, it's good, uh, good. You know, sometimes you can get uh, a, a, a kind of a, a mixing of like you know too much, uh, not enough vocals, not you know drums are right. too hot, you know whatever. But it sounds really yeah. good. I was curious about the the album as far as the songwriting again. You know, mentioning that they were kind of like you know journal entries. Mm-hmm. What is your songwriting approach like? Are you do you try to think of a theme that you want to write about, um, and then craft some music that goes with it, or is it more come up with some some sounds that you like, you know, a, a song structure you like, and then say, oh yeah, I feel this with this song. Yeah, I guess it just depends on on the song. There are some songs that started as you know me just fooling around on guitar or piano, and um, I was like, okay, I like this. I like this structure this -hmm. could be something um but i'd say the majority of it is um like for my day job i've uh basically just do delivering um the last couple years i've been delivering for grubhub and then prior to that i was a pizza delivery person um so a lot of what my songs were where i'm i'm just driving around i was smoking cigarettes i quit uh since covid but like driving around smoking listening to music and just kind of like writing down what I see or what I think about while listening to other, um, other bands and stuff. So I had, um, I have this folder that was just filled with scraps of paper and 
uh, bits of receipts or cardboard that I found cigarette packs, whatever that I would jot down a line. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I like the wordplay of that. Or like, I like that idea. Um, and then more recently, it's just my notes app on my phone for the last few years. It's just filled with random little (laughs) bits and pieces. So it's usually like, I mean, some, sometimes I think it's kind of ridiculous and kind of corny. And I think of like that movie Walk Hard uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> where he's like, he'll like look off into the distance and you're like, oh, walk hard. And then he thinks about it like, oh, that's a song. But that does happen a lot where it's like <laughs> a, like the that Wilted Bloom song, um, our latest single, the I Miss the Cigarette. I literally just saw some girl driving in a VW Bug next to me smoking a cigarette. It was like high 70s windows down blaring music and i was like oh i fuck, i missed that so much <laughs> um and i was like that sounds like a song yeah hell um, yeah. I, and so yeah that was the jumping off point for that was just like i miss not so much the actual addictions but i miss those times and those feelings i had on those substances yeah um, so yeah, I, that's usually where it starts. Is like I come up with a line or I come up with an idea and I just jot it down. I have hundreds that I've never even touched, but like you never know. Right. Um, or sometimes like during COVID, I was sitting around flipping through my notes. I'm like, oh, that could be a song. That could be a song. And some songs are a couple different ideas I smash together. Um, so yeah, the writing process is definitely always different, but it usually I like to stem it. Uh, as a jumping off point, I like to jump off from like something that happened organically, whether it was, I saw something, I observed something, or I just sat down and started playing. Right. Um, I try not to, I guess, force it too much. Um, but if something pops up, I jot it down. Cause I will forget. I have tons of videos and <laughs> on my phone too, of just <laughs> me playing random things that will never turn into songs, but maybe one day they will. Right. Right. Well, that's a good thing about having your phone, you know? is that you've always got a, a device oh, to yeah. either take a voice memo or whatever, you know, to, to write an idea. Yeah. Except Apple's now charging me for, for iCloud storage because I got oh. too many videos <laughs> on my phone. I got to pay monthly for That's it. That's right. I have them. <laughs> oh, man. So we've got uh, Jarrett. Uh, looks like Jarrett is joining. Yep, that's Jarrett. Hey, hey Jarrett. Jarrett. <laughs> Can you hear us, Jarrett? Hi. Hey. I'm on here. I'm, awesome. I'm listening to you guys talk. Cool. Uh, did, you know, so you, you, you guys are great. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Well, uh, did you have any questions you wanted to ask? Um, I'm, uh, I'm just really interested in John Michael's creative process and being his friend. I don't ask him very much about how, uh, how he writes songs, um, or how these ideas come about. So really this is uh, all very interesting for me. So I'll leave you guys to it. Okay. I, I love it. <laughs> all right. Cool. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> Jared so, is uh, the um, he runs Jet Plastic Recordings, who had did our um, first couple seven inch records. Oh, and fantastic. he's helping us out with uh, with chapels. So it'll be distributed through Jet Plastic. Oh, fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, you know, speaking of like what kind of physical mediums are you going to rec- like distribute? So we had we already ordered the CDs, uh, classic jewel case CDs, because I wanted those. Um, yep. And then there'll be a 12 inch vinyl that will be out, um, for, we'll have it at the release show, um, on December 2nd. And then it'll be in stores, uh, mid December, um, awesome. through jet plastics. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to pull it off because everything's such so backed up, but yeah, 
it's looking good. We're, we're on track so far. So all right, cool. Well, yeah. Hopefully that pans out. And then it'll obviously be streaming everywhere the day right. of. So December first, right. it'll be um, available everywhere: Bandcamp and Apple and Spotify. Excellent. Yeah. So um, wanted to kind of just rewind a little bit. How did the Idiot Kids come to be? How did the band form? So um, I knew Nick through high school. We went to high school together. And, um, our friend Ryan played drums and, um, one day we were just jamming and it sounded good. And Nick had a bass and he hadn't learned how to play it yet, but, uh, we just started hanging out and learning some cover songs and it just sounded good and we were having fun. So, um, I had always wanted to start a band called the idiot kids. Cause when I was 14, um, I was, and still am very obsessed with Elliot Smith. And, um, he used that phrase idiot kid a lot, um, on his self-titled record. And I was like, that sounds like a punk band. Um, <laughs> so if I'm ever in a band, that's what I'm going to call it. So yeah, we were just jamming and hanging out and sounded good. And was like, well, let's try and see if this turns into something. And so we started practicing like once or twice a week and yeah, it just kind of formed its own thing. We just started writing and um we weren't really trying to be a punk band or a garage band or whatever it just kind of that was the direction that we were going that was the yeah. music we liked and that was the energy that was taking on when we, when we were jamming it was getting faster and heavier and um that was just kind of what we were connecting to and I think me at the time when I started the band I, I was still closeted so there was a lot of anger and stuff that I needed to get out um yeah. that I was still holding on to um but yeah, so it just kind of shaped. And then once Andrew joined the band in uh, 2017, it kind of then took on another another form um, with his style of drumming. Um, so yeah, it just started with, we were just hanging out and playing music. And then um, this guy, John Quillen from a band called Absentees was like, hey, I heard you started a band. Do you guys want to play February, whatever? I was like, we don't even have anything written yet. Um, <laughs> He was like, you can do it. So we booked the show and we wrote two songs, an instrumental, and then we did two covers. And I was like outside in the snow with like, like the, one of those yellow, like legal pad pieces of paper. And I'm trying to like finish the lyrics to a verse because we hadn't finished the song yet, but it pushed us to like get started. Right. And then people were like, we got a good response. We were like, okay, so this, this could work out. And then it was just kept on awesome. going from there. Awesome. So what, what, what did you take away from that very first gig with the band? What was the, um, the learning experience for you? I mean, it was really just getting thrown in the deep end. It was like your older brother kicking you in the pool and you don't know how to swim yet, right. but you're in the pool. So you better learn how to swim. <laughs> um, that's what it felt like. It was, I had played in other bands, like here and there, I had played coffee shops and stuff like that. When I, when I was a teenager and I was learning how to do play guitar. I was, you know, I, I was hell bent on just being a singer songwriter, Elliot Smith, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but once I started playing with like other friends, bands and just jamming, um, with people at parties, it was just like, there's not a better feeling than when, when you're playing with friends, um, you could do it all yourself, but it's not as fun. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It just kind of <laughs> happened. Um, 
That's awesome. I kind of lost my train of thought of where we were going with that. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> yeah, it was more about like, you know, what did you take away from that very first uh, oh, yeah. gig? But it was yeah, the, just... yeah, the the experience of it, just being thrown into it and kicked and saying, you know, I got to move forward and keep doing right. this. That's yeah. awesome. So um, you, you mentioned you kind of got into what I was going to ask you next is like, what was the inspiration to want to play music? I mean, because there's people that want to, you know, pick up a guitar and learn it and maybe play some songs. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole nother level to want to like perform in, in front of people. Um, oh, yeah. So, so what was the, what was your inspiration to do that? Well, at first, when I first started playing music, I, uh, I played percussion for my dad's church. Um, I like bongos, shaker, tambourine, that type of thing. Um, and then I learned how to play the drums through that um, on top of like doing trumpet in band. So I, I was always like drawn to um, playing music. I always felt connected to it ever since I was probably like three or four. Uh, I remember running around the house singing oldies and stuff with my grandma. She had like that whole set of time life CDs that it was like, oh, yeah. it's from like 1948 to 70 or something. <laughs> Right. So I grew up with like the Beach Boys and uh, the Beatles and a lot of all those number one hits from like golden oldie stuff. So I was always a singer. Um, and then I got into drumming and then it was when I was around like 15 or 16 where I wanted to learn guitar. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's just always been a part of my life and it's always been something that I've been drawn to. And then I think once I started getting older and I started, um, listening to stuff that wasn't gospel and oldies, which is kind of the only thing that was, if it wasn't sold at the Christian bookstore, we weren't allowed to buy it basically. So once you get older and you have friends and you're getting music from them, um, I remember my uncle made a, a mix CD for my dad that I had found like under the computer, like in the desk, and that had Radiohead on it. It had Elliot Smith. It had this okay. hardcore band called Zayo on it. And a bunch of bands from the Netherlands, uh, just kind of like weird, like indie rock stuff. And so I listened to that. And I used to listen to that kind of on repeat when I was like 12 years old, um, my like little boombox. And that was kind of like the first time I felt like connected to music where it was like speaking to me in a different way. That wasn't just kind of like yeah. fun radio music or whatever. Um, yeah. So ever since then, um, I felt a need to talk about things that I couldn't talk about. Mm-hmm. And music was a way for me to access those feelings, those emotions, those thoughts, um, in a way that like, I, yeah, I couldn't really do any way else. So it was, it was almost a compulsion. Like if I didn't learn how to play guitar and I didn't teach myself how to play piano or whatever, like, I wouldn't be able to get these thoughts across. Um, And there's, there's a discovery in songwriting um, where you start, I think, analyzing things in your life or thoughts that you have that um, I wouldn't have been able to access in any other way. Had I like not dove deeper and like, what am I trying to say? How do I want to say it? And how can I use melody or rhythm or harmony to say it in a different way to communicate that? Um, because bands like Elliot Smith or artists like Elliot Smith, bands like Radiohead, um, they spoke to me in, in, in that type of way. So yeah, it was a compulsion. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
that's great. <clears throat> Speaking of Radiohead, um, do you remember, uh, you know, you, you came from a religious household where I'm going to guess, you know, you weren't, well, you, you've kind of mentioned that you really weren't able to, you know, kind of listen to things that you would normally if you were just experimenting on your own. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what the very first, and, I, and I'm thinking of Radiohead, but I don't know if it is, that's, was the first um, album, but what was the kind of the first kind of punk rock music that you listened to? Because you mentioned that the band kind of naturally gravitated that way, even though you were interested in singer songwriter. What was the, mm -hmm. what were some of those early influences for you? So the early, the early, early punk stuff was, like I said, we were only allowed to buy stuff from the Christian bookstore. So there was yeah. like this kind of goofy, uh, kind of Blink-182 knockoff band called Reliant K. Okay. Um, so I remember them, there was this, another kind of goofy ska band called Five Iron Frenzy. Um, so that was like when I was like, probably like 11, 12 years old or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtracks, uh, most of like the people my age were kind of exposed to a lot of punk music through that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was definitely that as far as like albums that I heard where I was like, Oh, I want to make punk music. Yeah. I want to like, yeah, those were albums like um, Fugazi's repeater was an early one that I was like, oh shit, this, <laughs> this yeah. is next level. Um, against me searching for a former clarity was another one. Um, Agent Orange's first album, which that stemmed from uh, songs off of Tony Hawk. Um, yeah, really like Fugazi, Against Me, um, the, the Stooges, like the first Stooges album. Yeah. Those were the ones that like really spoke to me. And I think it was how raw they were and they weren't like, like I love early green day and stuff like that, but there's a, a polish to that. Yeah, um, sure. And Fugazi just, there was like a funk to it. And like the, the way that they did punk was totally different. There was with against me, it was like this really like angry folk kind of punk. Um, so that's more what I was, what, drew me to it like obviously there were bands like blink 182 and stuff growing up that were huge but like it was so clean and it was yeah. like very produced which there's nothing wrong with that but yeah. i was i was drawn to like the dirt of it and like the rawness and like even with radiohead like johnny greenwood's guitar playing is so weird yeah. and that's why i love it you know yeah, yeah. um I like when people can like attack things from like a, a perspective that you haven't heard before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's what like really, and also I was like an angry, sad little teenager <laughs> who like was in the closet. Right. So it was like, I needed something angry to yell about and right. punk gave me an out, like uh, a medium to, to do it. So that, that's awesome. Yeah. So if, if the, the idiot kids could play anywhere in the world, um, where where would you what venue would you would be like the um the musical pilgrimage for you guys venue i don't know it'd probably be like somewhere in europe or uh or something maybe like like the cavern club where the beatles first played yeah. like there's something like obviously that's a magical place in itself because that's where the beatles came from and like i said i grew up on that um 
but it also just looks like a, a gross little cellar <laughs> in a basement, right. um, which we're normally playing in the basements anyways. So it'd probably be like the Cavern Club. And then, yeah, it would probably be Against Me, would be headlining. We'd be playing um, Ezra Furman. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're I like heard the name, but I, I don't think I've actually listened to their music. I incredible, guess. incredible songwriter, kind of indie indie rock punk stuff. Um, I think they would be playing, and then like, I mean, if we're going all out, like, <laughs> let's go. Maybe all out. Bob Dylan would show up. All right, like, <laughs> that would be cool. And like, maybe he'd play a song, but then he'd leave because he was pissed off at us for some reason. Like, I would want like angry, kind of grumpy Bob Dylan to play. <laughs> um yeah that would be that would be it ezra against me and then bob dylan an angry bob dylan (laughs) yeah an angry bob dylan (laughs) awesome so do you have any like um pre-show rituals things you've got to do before you get on stage yeah um well i've always well not always i guess since probably like 2013 i've always worn makeup or sometimes I perform in full drag. Sometimes I perform in like more Rocky horror drag. Sometimes it's just my normal look. Um, but there's always like, I always need to put like some sort of mask on. And I think that allows me to, again, access a side of myself that I wouldn't normally in my day-to-day life. Yeah. So I usually, um, sometimes it's at the venue just because of time. Like if I'm working, we have to have to go and whatever, I'll bring some makeup and a mirror with me, but usually I'm at home and I either listen to Lou Reed's transformer album or the soundtrack to Hedwig and the angry inch. Oh yeah. And there's just something about both those albums that are like <laughs> so queer and so like just classic glam rock that would kind of put me in that headspace of like, okay, I'm about to go on stage. And I need to like, I need to access that side of me that, like I said, is not just an an everyday version of me. I need to access the performer. I need to access like the songwriter, the whatever. So yeah, it's it's either Lou Reed's Transformer or Headwitting in the Angry Inch. And I'll, I'll listen to those on repeat, sometimes switch it back and forth between them. And I'll, yeah, I'll start getting ready and throwing my face on and the times where I haven't done that or I haven't worn like my platform boots or like where I haven't been able to like fully kind of get into it. Right. Those shows just don't normally feel right. Like they feel like there's something missing. I, I, I have trouble kind of accessing that side of me. So it's not even like a, like a, like a costume or anything. It's like, it's a, it's a necessity. It's like, I have to, these things, allow me to access that kind of raw primal side of myself that needs to exist in order to like put on the best show that I can. Um, we don't, uh, we don't ever use set lists. We, we rarely sound check even we were pretty quick at it because like we want to kind of, I mean, also the places we're playing are usually very small clubs where the sound checks very quick anyways. Um, but yeah, we're usually like throw up on stage, like get our stuff uh, set up as quickly as possible and then just go. And yeah. then I'll yell out the first song, we'll play, 
crowd will clap or they won't clap. And then you do the next song and the next song, you just keep yelling it out until they say one more song and then you're done. Um, (laughs) That's crazy. That's how we like to keep it. Because like I said, even with the songwriting, like I keep trying, I want to keep it as like raw and honest as possible, like every aspect. So um, that's how we like to do our live shows too, is like, let's go up there and just start playing. Yeah. And uh, we see that seems to like, it's again, it's getting thrown in the deep end. It's right. You're on stage. You got to go. Let's come up with something. Um, when it's too planned out or it's too produced or whatever, it's like, it just doesn't feel right yeah. for me. Like you get I can't access that side. But I got to mention if you, you like all of you as a band then have to have like superior amount of confidence in you just knowing all those tunes you're going to rip and, and go for Do you ever throw covers in there too? Yeah. In the yeah. Mix? We have a few. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah. Um, we have a few that we cycle through, um, as far as covers, we do blood stains by again, uh, by, um, agent orange. Uh, we recently are doing black me out by against me, which that'll be out, um, this week. It'll be out once this airs. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And then we do like a neutral milk hotel cover and we've been doing a few other covers. We did the cure, uh, just like heaven once, um, we got a black Sabbath cover. We still haven't played yet. But yeah, we have a few that like, cause you know, yeah. every once in a while you just want to get like the, exactly. the crowd to sing along with you, especially if it's like a place we haven't played before or like uh, a city we haven't played before. It's well, guys- nice to throw in those covers because then you can kind of grab the crowd crowd's attention and then play your best songs right after the cover or something. You right. Know? Right. Well, you guys should do angry inch. You, you would, I'm sure it would crush. Oh, that I song. would love to. <laughs> we, we did. Um, I think it was like 2016. We did. Um, there's this thing called creepy cheapy. Yeah. Which I'm sure yeah, you're from Michigan, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we did that as the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, so we cool. did like five or six songs from Rocky Horror, and that was so much fun. <laughs> um, and someone said that, like, you should do Hedwig too. And it's like, oh man, hell yeah. No, we need yeah. a bigger band. We'd probably need <laughs> more than a three-piece. We need some piano and all that. But yeah, yeah. oh, I would love to. That'd be a, it's a dream of mine to like play Frankenfurter or or Hedwig or something on stage. But yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, you know, I'm kind of curious as far as, um, you know, you've got the the new album, but what about, uh, shows, anything coming up in, uh, for like end of December into next year? Yeah. So we have, we're, we're going to be down in Columbus, uh, Ohio, the Roomba cafe, I believe is what it's called December 29th. Um, we're trying to set something up for like, I either Chicago or Detroit for that weekend too. Cool. I think, I think we're going to try and get Chicago, um, by then. And, uh, then in February, we're heading to Indianapolis. Um, and, uh, we got another local show in February too. Right now it's just really been like trying to get this album out, trying to get these mixes done, trying to get the (laughs) artwork done, trying to like do interviews and press and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, shows have kind of taken a backseat up until the release show. That's kind of like we're putting all our eggs in that basket. Um, so yeah, end of December, and then I'm sure in January we'll we'll have some local shows up. Like it'll be we'll be posting about it on um, Instagram and Facebook and stuff. But like things are in the works, um, and yeah, we're hoping to tour in the spring. Um, awesome. Do awesome. at least like East Coast, Midwest, a couple weeks at least. Um, 
yeah fingers yeah. crossed yeah fantastic that'd be awesome yeah. very cool so i was uh wondering about um uh, what was i wondering oh um as far as the, the you, you mentioned that you know the album was totally diy um any plans to do um like other types of projects like that like fully that way going forward or do you think you'll actually end up using some studios and that kind of thing going in the future i don't know we kind of love it we kind of love the um the freedom that we have um with doing it all ourselves and the first couple sessions were definitely way way more stressful than yeah um the later ones um i had a computer that i bought well, I had one from like 2009 that died on me during COVID. So I had to buy another one. Cause like I said, out of necessity, I had to like keep, keep making going. demos and <laughs> I had to keep playing music. Right. Um, so I bought a computer and then, um, yeah, I bought like, I mean, most of the mics I bought were like used on guitar center's website. And I bought like a task board that only had eight channels on it. So we basically just bought the bare minimum. I was like, okay, I know I need these mics to record the drums and guitar and bass because I wanted to record it all live as mm -hmm. far as like the basic tracks and then do the overdubs and stuff later but I wanted to capture that this is a band playing in a basement you know this right. is like keep that feel that we have at our live shows um so yeah it, it was stressful at first but then once we recorded the last couple songs we kind of like got into like the swing of it and and I've just fallen in love with like recording um, and mixing. And like, I was asking my brother, he made an album back in 2014. I was like, send it to me. I'll remix it. Cause I just want to like, <laughs> I need to get better at it because right. like, I, that's what I want to do. Like apart from doing idiot kids, it's like, I want to record other bands. I want to like go to other people's practice spaces and be like, let me record your demos. And like, I'm cheap right now. Like <laughs> I just want to do it. Right. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously if this album takes off and like someone big um, scoops us up and was like, you want to record in your next album at Abbey road? I'd be like, yes, <laughs> I, I won't. I don't uh, want to record it. Yes. Let's right. break out the Neumanns and record at Abbey road. 100%. <laughs> but um, you know, if, if we're still more just, you know, underground stuff, then like, yeah, I, I love doing it. And then Zach ships who, um, they run uh, RV audio lab in Ferndale. We recorded our first album and EP with them. And I just loved their sound and they just kind of nailed it for the first time. Like I said, we recorded like a demo mm -hmm. early on and it just didn't sound like us. Um, and yeah, they just nailed the sound. So I, I sent the mixes to them to master. I was like, put your, your final touch magic on it. And, um, so yeah, so I know that I I have Zach. If I if I have an idea that I can't pull off in a basement or something, I will definitely go to his studio because yeah, he he definitely gets us um and gets that sound just kind of like correct. But yeah, if Abbey Road is an option <laughs> or if like Steve Albini wants to like record right. our next album, all right, we'll, we'll go back <laughs> in the studio <laughs> for sure. So you you know on top of you know doing the recordings yourself. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, doing this, the interviews and that kind of stuff, you're also doing the marketing for your band. And I'm curious about like, what, how has that, how has that been for you? Like, what has that process been like? Has it been, uh, just like an agonizing, like 
root canal or has it been something where you've kind of like, oh, I kind of get what this, what I'm supposed to do here and I'm kind of enjoying it. It's so for the first single for the, for the white flag single, I was like, okay, we have a very, very limited budget. So we'll save the PR for like the later single and the album. And I'm going to just do this all myself. So it was a lot of Googling. It was a lot of asking friends online, like who does reviews, who does interviews and people sending me like, oh, you could try this person. You could try that person. It was a lot of just like Googling punk radio stations, college radio stations, and just sending out like a hundred emails to everybody. Um, and yeah, it was just kind of hoping for the best. Um, some of it has been agonizing. This has been cool, like doing this interview. And then I did one with Lori Stratton a couple of days ago, and that was really cool. So the interviews I've actually been like really enjoying because I can just sit down and talk about my music yeah. when it comes to like creating like an electronic press kit, <laughs> and, like writing a bio, like I'm just using quotes that other people have said about it. Cause like, as far as like trying to talk about like myself as a product or trying to like present myself in that way is so yeah. weird, but like, I get it that it's like, it's a part of the game and like, you got to like put your best foot forward and try and do that. But like that's networking has never been my thing. That's why it's been, we've been a band for 10 plus years and now we're just starting to like, <laughs> I'm now just starting to figure it out. It's like, Oh, I just had to put in the, the work right. and send out some emails, but right. so, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a necessary thing. And like, I get to meet cool people and do interviews and stuff, but yeah, it's, it, it was definitely very foreign for me. Yeah. Um, but it's not, been, it's not been all bad. Yeah. So now like, how do you, what's your preferred method of like staying in touch with your fans? How do you, uh, try to keep them engaged? Is it, is it all social media? Are you doing any for the, of, for like, the most you... part? It's been just like through Instagram and Facebook. Um, so far, um, I, I'm kind of, I'm trying to push more for the band camp thing because mm -hmm. like, I like that, especially with this, cause it's DIY. And like, I like the fact that like they do band camp Fridays where like they don't take a percentage and everything. And like, we can put up our merch on there. And like, so I would like people to get more involved on there because I know that like there are communities on there where like you can share reviews and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, social media is just kind of the necessary evil when it comes to right. trying to get art out there. Um, yeah. I was just curious if you guys had, had thought about like newsletters or email kind of things, the more of it's, it's sort of an old school approach, but I think it's kind yeah. of circling its way back in some. Yeah. Way. I've seen some other people doing it. I actually honestly have not even thought about it, but like knowing myself and how, like how much I procrastinate things, I don't know how, <laughs> uh how regular the newsletter would be <laughs> but it would definitely be something to look into right i don't know i i like just i like just meeting people at shows and like yeah. i like that old school way of networking even though i'm also terrible at that um <laughs> but that's the best way for me like i just like meeting new people and and hopefully we'll just like be able to tour more after this album like i right. just want to get out to as many cities and find new people who might you know might have fun with us and then like meet other bands that we might be able to collaborate with in the future or something um so yeah but but for now it's it's mainly mainly instagram and facebook and um but yeah maybe i'll look into a newsletter yeah I don't, I don't know if i'll stick to it but I'll, <laughs> it could be a i might enjoy it yeah. i don't know yeah 
a one-off here and there every once in a while. They right. go, oh, here's, here's something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, John, Michael, I really appreciate you being on Fans with Bands. I've yeah, got, thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got one last question, and that is pineapple or no pineapple on pizza? I'm a no pineapple on pizza. All right. You got a yeah, favorite. I'm more, um, I, I'm a classic cheese and pepperoni or like margarita style pizza. Excellent. Th- excellent. Those are my love pineapple and smoothies. <laughs> not on pizza. <laughs> not, I'm, with not as much. <laughs> I'm with you. Awesome. Yeah. Well, John Michael, thanks again for being on Fans with Bands. Of course. Thanks for having me. This was fun. All right. Cool. Many thanks to John Michael for joining me on this episode of Fans of Bands. I really dug the power pop punk of the Idiot Kids. It was so good to talk with John Michael about the band and their new album called Chapels, which is out now on Jet Plastic Recordings. The new album is jammed with high energy tunes. You just can't miss this thing. Be sure to get your copy today and mark your calendars for February 17th, where you can see the Idiot Kids live at RAR a celebration of MySpace at The Spread in Detroit. See the show notes for all the details and links. Bands are nothing without you, the fans. Purchasing music and merchandise is critical to their survival. If you can help out your favorite bands, please do. If you're in Michigan, consider following the Playing in Detroit area tonight and SE for Southeast Michigan Music Facebook pages. They are fantastic places for fans and bands to support each other and share our combined love of music. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast service to get each and every episode of Fans with Bands. Spread the word by rating the show, telling your friends, telling your neighbors, telling your family, telling your priest, tell everyone, and leave a comment. We want to hear what you think. You can keep in touch by following us on social media. This is a Life in Michigan production. Until next time, be well and kick out the jam.